0: Welcome to Episode 3 of A Winning Mindset, brought to you by the International Paralympic Committee and their long-standing and now worldwide Paralympic insurance partner, Allianz. In this series, I've already spoken to Millie Knight, the Winter Paralympic skier, and Hannah McDougall, the swimmer-turned-cyclist who's an expert in well-being. But our aim in these podcasts is to introduce you to stories with Paralympians that will spark confidence in your everyday life. Stories of challenges, ups and downs, determination and excellence. This season we'll focus on mental health and how to deal with setbacks. Get to know the true power of having the right team behind you and join us as we prepare you for what's ahead. And what's ahead in this third episode is my chat with the Swiss wheelchair racing legend, Marcel Hoog. I saw a tweet actually from uh, NBC, the American TV broadcaster, and it pointed out that you, uh, Tatiana McFadden, and Daniel Romanchuk have all completed six top-level marathons in nine weeks. So that's from Tokyo at the Paralympics through to New York and with uh, lots of places in between, including London. Uh, How do you cope with such a punishing schedule?
1: Yeah, to be honest, it was uh, a really uh, big challenge. Uh, It was really tough to have all these marathons in in the fall. It was very important to have a good organization, and my coach really helped me in this, to have the schedule organized, the flights organized, the tests we we needed before flying. So it was uh, a lot of things to to do, to, to plan, to think about. Also, the organisers of the marathons did a great job. They, they supported us in, in many ways, so they made it easier for us. But still, it was a very busy time.
0: And physically, it must be very demanding.
1: It was really demanding physically uh, on one hand, but also uh, mentally it was uh, really challenging to have all these marathon in that short period, especially with uh, Chicago and Boston, just in two days. It was uh, really crazy.
0: (laughs) Now, listen, we're going to to speak to you a lot about motivation today. But first of all, I'd like to ask you about your childhood because you were born with spina bifida and I believe you were the youngest of four brothers uh, brought up on a farm. So describe that to us and explain what that was like.
1: Yeah, it's right. I grew up on a farm to Elder Brothers. Um, I had a really nice uh, childhood uh, because uh, to to grow up in the nature on a farm together with uh, some animals like cows, chicken. uh, We had a dog. Yeah, it was just uh, beautiful to grow up like this. And uh, being outside... Uh, sometimes I also could help on the farm a little bit.
0: I was going to ask you about how much you were able to get involved in, in the farm life because, you know, on paper when I read that, you know, four brothers raised on a farm, you were the youngest, that sounds very physical, you know, it sounds a very physical uh, upbringing and I and I wondered if your disability had ever uh, compromised what you could do or, or how you felt growing up.
1: It was nice to able to do some work on the farm but just also hang around on the farm. Uh, when I was a kid before eight I was just uh, moving around with, with crutches.
0: And how did you come to discover athletics and wheelchair racing?
1: When I got the wheelchair I went to a sports club to learn how to practice with a wheelchair and, and do sport. From the first minute I really Liked it, and in the same year I participated in the, in the junior division from the the big marathon, like Zempek Marathon. And uh, so then, uh, yeah, the first competition. Then uh, I won in my uh, my category, junior category.
0: How did that feel?
1: Uh, it felt great. I mean, it was a great experience to. To be involved in, in such a, a big event with with other with, with all these uh, athletes from around the world in this marathon, there were media, there were spectators, there were police uh, going uh, in front to lead. Uh, so, for I think for a ten year old kid, was just uh, very impressive, and uh, to be involved in, in in this with a with a junior um, race, it was uh, fantastic. And uh, I wanted to, yeah, to to have more of this.
0: <laughs> I read a, a quote from you, actually. I, I saw that you were accepted into a sports school in, in 2001 and you were the only wheelchair user at the school. And I've read a quote where you said that that was immensely important for my personal development. What did you mean by that?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was um, a great, great experience. It was also challenging, but it was a great experience to do to be in a sports class together with other athletes or young, young athletes in many different kinds of, of sports.
0: You know, I'm disabled myself. I went to a mainstream school and I remember being one of the only uh, disabled people in, in the school really. But um, for you, being being the only disabled person in that school must have been quite challenging for you and actually also quite challenging for the other kids as well.
1: Yeah, so it was really uh, challenging. I was already in a, you know, normal open school uh, before, so it was not really new. But to be together with other kids who are doing uh, also doing sport, yeah, made it maybe like a little bit easier because we had the same passion for sport, so we could uh, discuss about sport we could uh, try uh, other different uh, sport I think also for the other um, kids it was good opportunity to be together with uh, with, with a person in the wheelchair i think or I hope they maybe learned also a little bit about um, yeah to be with a with a disabled person
0: and in terms of your athletics career you've gone on to win. 12 Paralympic medals, 6 golds, 9 world titles, and I think it's 14 marathons now around the world that you've won. So I want to talk to you about motivation and the determination behind you for what's ahead. Because are you a naturally motivated person or do you need somebody to fire you up?
1: I would say I'm a naturally motivated person, especially in sport. I'm not sure in other things, maybe not not too much. I was not not too, uh, so motivated in school, for example. <laughs> but uh, in sport, yeah, I, I always was motivated. Uh, doing training, doing the competitions. I really loved it. It was always my passion. And uh, as long as I have a a goal or a vision, uh, so then I'm I'm absolutely motivated, but of course they also can be some days, especially after the season when, when the weather uh, turns a little bit colder and and, and went like now in fall, it's, it's more difficult to be motivated in training, but usually I'm, I'm really motivated.
0: So how do you go out? How do you get up tomorrow morning and force yourself to go out in the wind and rain and keep trying to be the best?
1: I'm really passionately in, in sport in general. I don't really need always to have a goal or yeah in, in front of me. That was something very interesting. I learned during the COVID situations when we had no competition. Uh, I thought it would be more difficult to me to be motivated for, for training when we don't have the competitions. But I was surprised that I always was motivated because I just love to be to be outside on the fresh air and just I love to do what I do. I do the movement in, in wheelchair racing, the feeling being a, in a racing wheelchair to to drive, to have the speed, the dynamic. I just love it. That's a, a big part of the motivation, and if. It's really yeah, like you said, it's it's raining, it's cold. I might be not so motivated, but then I have to say, okay, I'm a full professional athlete. That's my income, and you know, other people they have another profession, or yeah, they also go to work every day, even they are not uh, motivated. And uh, so it's the same for me. I go to I go to work and uh i mean i have a i have a really dream job i i don't have to to get up early every day i my my own chief I, I have a lot of freedoms i can travel a lot i mean yeah it's 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 really nice
0: but you must have days where you think oh i you know i can't be bothered with with today do you? I, to be honest hearing you now I'm thinking probably you never take a day off. Oh, uh,
1: I, I I really do day offs. Yes, yes. Every week I have one day off and I really like it or when I have holidays I don't I don't do any training. Because it's
0: important isn't it for mental health to get away sometimes, isn't it?
1: Absolutely that's um, very important. You cannot be always be focused all the time. Sometimes you have to open the focus. And just, yeah, have a little bit distance of it and uh, do some other other things you like. It's very important, yeah.
0: Are you a quietly motivated person or do you, you know, we see sometimes sports people, everybody really. Some people will play loud music. Some people will kind of shout at themselves and really get themselves sort of worked up. Do you? Do you do any of that or do you motivate yourself in a much more quiet way? When I
1: need to be motivated, I really like uh, to listen to music or sometimes I watch maybe a video from uh, from a competition in the past So that also motivates me or read a book, They're very different.
0: So who are the key people in your team and support network who are behind you for what's ahead?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, in the past, uh, definitely my par- parents, which um, who gave me a lot of uh, support. And now definitely my coach has uh, the biggest influence to me. And yeah, he uh, supports me all day. So it's really great. But I also get some support from our association, from sponsors, uh, other partners. Um, yeah, there's so many people some other athletes who i am training with also every wednesday afternoon i have uh, i train together with uh, with some juniors that's that's great yeah that gives me a lot of energy
0: you mentioned your coach there paul odomat you have known each other since you were 10 years old i believe and i i've seen quotes from him about how the two of you seem to know each other without even having to to talk you know you know what each other's thinking how have you developed that kind of relationship with Paul and, and how important is he to not just your career, actually, but to your life?
1: Uh, I mean, he's a very important person in my life, not only because he is a, he's my coach, but also as a person, I can go to him, to speak with him, also when I have uh, yeah, difficulties or troubles or challenges in my private life. So, yeah, because he, he knows me like maybe only a few other people know me. I think that came just because he knows me like when we I was a kid. That's the reason why we are so close.
0: Do you like the fact that there's actually only a few people who really know you? Is that, is that a deliberate thing on your part that you... You know, you keep yourself sort of closed off to only to only allowing one or two people in who are very close to you.
1: I would say I am uh, more like an introvert person, uh, and so that, I mean that's not a decision I made. That's just my natural personality. Uh, so I think there are not so many people who knows me very very well or very close. So he is definitely one of them.
0: And that must mean you absolutely trust things he says to you. And you know, that must mean that when he, when he gives you a message, you must listen to that message very carefully and take it on board.
1: It's easy to trust him in the sport because yeah, I know what he does and how he plans my training and and competition and everything. And we had so many successes together.
0: We'll hear from Paul in a moment because I spoke to him a short time ago, but just one more question about him, your coach and the voice behind your success, because I found it fascinating speaking to him about this. I think most people listening to this would assume that a top wheelchair racer like yourself has a coach who's also in a wheelchair, but Paul is actually non-disabled.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. And, uh, I think that is because he has a lot of experience from beginning when he started with coaching. I think he
2: he learned a lot.
1: He learned fast. Also, before uh, he started coaching uh, wheelchair athletics, he was uh, a teacher in a school with disability uh, persons. So he had also a little bit uh, experience from there. It's, um, it's really interesting that he, he has so good feeling what, what it needs.
0: Plenty more from Marcel Hoog in a moment, but in this series we're also getting to know the voices behind the athletes. Brought to you by Allianz, a long-standing and now worldwide Paralympic insurance partner of the International Paralympic Committee, we're introducing you to the people behind the Paralympians, the ones that spark their confidence and help them prepare for what's ahead. And in Marcel's case, we can hear now from his coach and confidant, Paul Odermat.
2: I never saw or yeah, Marcel when he was not motivated. He always said he likes to do this sport. He likes to to become better and better and better. And so for all the, the long time, I never saw him not motivated.
0: Not even just, you know, are there odd days where Marcel may not be as motivated as, as other days? Are there, are there days where he might feel a bit down or he's perhaps not done so well in a race and he comes in and you have to lift him up?
2: Yeah, that's right. Well, when he had a bad result in the competition or uh, he didn't feel so good, could be for just for a moment, but uh, so quickly he said, But I'll try again, I'll do it again, I'll do it again.
0: And you must help him with that though, or does that just come naturally from him?
2: I think that's very important that a coach is uh, try always to be positive. And I never took him um, under pressure. That means always as a boy when he was 10, 11, 12 years. I never told him or said to him, you have to do this and that. For this week, I said always, I propose you. And so he, he was always responsible for what he's doing.
0: And he has won so many medals, so many marathons. How do you think he stays motivated now as a very, very successful athlete? He has probably achieved everything he set out to achieve when he was 10 years old, but he keeps on going. And actually, Tokyo just recently was one of his best Paralympics ever. So how how does he keep that motivation even when he's doing really well?
2: I think that's uh, really uh, not so easy. And Marcel, he said also, uh, now after the season, he has to go a little back to him to think about. And uh, he's always saying i want to be better than yesterday it's not i want to be the best well that means also but he's also doing i want to do it perfect i want to 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 do everything a little bit better than i did it before
0: and what advice would you give to somebody listening who you know they may not be an athlete they may work in an office they may work in a factory they may do anything but how what advice would you give to somebody who may be struggling with motivation in their own life
2: i think the most important thing is that everyone can see what i'm doing i'm doing for myself i think the biggest problem is when an athlete thinks i have to do it for my parents or for my coach or for what else and i think also in at job if you feel or you think you have to do it for the company well that means also but all of all i think it's very important i'm sure i'm doing what i like to do and i'm doing because i think it makes sense
0: it is fascinating that you are i was going to say one of but probably the best wheelchair racing coach in the world and yet and yet you aren't in a wheelchair yourself i find that actually really interesting do do you still get in the, do you still get in a chair now or was it a case that when you started out you needed to get into a racing chair uh, just you know because you were you were learning?
2: Do you still have to do that now? No I'm not often in a racing chair but I try uh, when I'm watching Marcel or another athlete I try maybe I close my eyes and I try to a little bit to feel, how it is to be in this position. And I think what's very, very important, and so I'm very, very happy uh, with Marcel, uh, because we, the last 25 years, maybe 350 days a year, we are, I saw him. And so we spoke very often together, and also in training or after competition, I have a lot of uh, questions. I ask him how it feels, how it was. And also when we are doing a training session or an exercise, I'm, it's very important for me to become feedbacks, feedback, feedbacks, And I try also to do it the same way with the young athletes. Because I think it's very important for the athlete. Uh, so he's thinking about how it feels for me. And so he can become better. And also for a coach, it's very important. So I can also learn a lot about.
0: And I wonder, Marcel, when you listen to Paul and you're working with Paul on a day-to-day basis, could you see yourself going into a teaching or coaching role full-time whenever you decide to uh, stop racing yourself?
1: I can imagine to do uh, coaching, of course. Mm. Um, That would be something I really yeah I like to to do uh, I'm not sure if I would or could do it like full time I'm not sure but uh, we will see
0: what what else do you see yourself doing when when the sport is over for you are there are there other ambitions that you still have outside of sport
1: actually I'm in uh in a situation in which i I really think a lot about this because uh uh, I don't think I can do it. Uh, wheelchair racing in a professional level uh, more ten or twenty more more years. So I have to think about uh, what's what's my future after a professional uh, sport. But to be honest, I actually I don't have a concrete idea. I have some ideas which direction it could go, but. Um, I have not concrete uh, visions or plans, I would say.
0: But do you look forward to that time or does that time actually sort of worry you a bit or scare you even when when competition isn't there for you?
1: I'm looking forward to this time, but I also think it will be challenging because it will be a very new situation after doing a professional sport so many years. It will be totally different. So it will be maybe not be easy and of course I think I would also missing it, but uh, I think it would be also very interesting what uh, what life brings after my sports career.
0: And we touched on it earlier, Marcel where I you know I said about all your titles and medals and things and how do you kind of keep yourself motivated. Do you feel like you want to just keep on improving as much? now, as you did a few years ago? I mean, you know, do you still think, okay, well, I can win even more gold medals, I can break even more records? Is that why you keep on going? Is that what keeps you going?
1: I would say this is one reason, yes. Next to the fact that I just, yeah, love racing and it's my passion. But of course, um, there's still some goals I want to reach or achieve, one goal is to break the, the world record in the marathon. That's that's uh, one goal left.
0: When that goal is reached, for example, if you if you manage it, will you find a you'll find another goal? Will you or will you? Will there come a point where you go? Actually, do you know what, Marcel Hook I have achieved everything I wanted, and now I'm going to move into something else.
1: I don't know. I think uh, when I. I- uh, achieve this uh, i have to see if i find some other goals or if i say that that's it um, i don't know yet
0: i'm sure it's on your on your mind and you'll think about it when you get to that point um it's been a pleasure speaking to you and uh, and it's fantastic to have somebody who has who has won basically everything uh to be on the on the podcast with us so thank you very very much for your time
1: thank you very much
0: Well, what can you say about Marcel Hoog? So much glory already. He's dripping in medals and success, but he still wants more. That is the very definition of a winning mindset. Two key lessons I'll take away from what he said are that you need to love what you do and be motivated by the feelings you get, not just by the goals themselves. And secondly, if your motivation comes from within, as it obviously does with Marcel, rather than just getting that motivation from other people, then it seems to be much more powerful. Next time, my guest is American swimmer Anastasia Pagonis, who burst onto the scene in Tokyo and is a social media sensation with her TikTok videos and honest posts about living with her vision impairment. And don't forget, please do subscribe, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen.